Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly, he'll welcome you back to the show this week. And guys, it is almost the 27th of June. It's uh, the, the last few minutes of uh, the 26th ticking away here slowly. It's late in the evening as I sit down in the studio to record this evening. But the point is, it has been exactly 208 days since we last went racing at the 2019 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix at the Yas Marina Circuit. And it literally has been the off-season from hell. I mean, joking uh, aside, it really... I really couldn't have imagined, nobody could have, the last time that we went uh, racing in the desert to close out the 2019 season, that all these things, horrible things that have transpired since then, would have literally flipped the worlds on its its head. But at least from a Formula One perspective, there is uh, something to look forward to, and that means this time next week, we will have the first practice sessions of the year behind our belt, under our belt, I should say, behind our backs, and uh, that means that in just over a week's time the very first Grand Prix gets underway as we will finally kick off the 2020 Formula One World Championship and I'm sure just like everyone else out there I'm really 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 looking forward to getting back to, to racing and there are going to be a lot of interesting things to look out for uh, this season number one is we don't know exactly how many races we're going to have I mean we've got what eight races confirmed up until the beginning of uh, September when we get to, to the Italian Grand Prix in Monza. There are still several circuits trying to throw their name into the hat and hopefully at least on their uh, you know from their perspective that they might get to host a Grand Prix this year and it um, it is very possible. I mean the the European the rather bizarre European season that we have laid out in front of us with a, a couple of back-to-back races which I don't necessarily think is a a bad Bad thing, all things considered, would be interesting to see if we do see races at the likes of uh, Hockenheim or Mugello or Imola or perhaps somewhere else that uh, may kind of sneak into the proceedings here somewhere along the way. Anyways, we'll, we'll talk about that all a little bit uh, later on as we get back to business here. And well, there, of course, there's a lot of pretty much the same sort of news going around this week that there has been for the past uh, several weeks and months. But we'll we'll start on a good note. And that is that Formula One chairman and CEO Chase Carey has ponied up $1 million to help kickstart a foundation that will help uh, people from under uh, underrepresented, pardon me, communities forge a career in uh, motorsport. So uh, this foundation, it doesn't have a, nas- a, a name yet. It's part of the hashtag We Races One diversity initiative that uh, Formula One launched earlier this week. And this is a, a follow-up. <clears throat> Pardon me, this is a follow-up to a commitment uh, that they made in November of uh, last year. So anyways, Formula One says the role of the new foundation is to, to, to finance primarily, but not exclusively, internships and apprenticeships within Formula One for underrepresented groups to ensure they have the opportunity to fulfill their potential and have access to a promising career in the sport. Anyways, I think that's uh, really cool. And uh, the plan that uh, that uh, F1 has laid out uh, went on to say that they will be establishing, um, with input from the driver, 
drivers and teams, and they're going to set up an external diversity and inclusion, uh, or they're going to get involved with external uh, diversity inclusion experts. So I think that's uh, pretty cool. So, and we said the release also had to say, quote, the task force will specifically focused at identifying employment and education opportunities for underrep underrepresented groups across Formula One, including STEM careers, that's uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and the required actions to address these findings. Formula One also went on to say, uh, quote, we hope that the funding, referring to the $1 million from Chase Carey, uh, we hope that the funding will grow over time to support more interns and scholarship opportunities in the future. We believe there's a truly international sport. We can make a difference by using our voice and determination to address these vital issues. We are as a sport that represents millions of global fans and we must ensure we are as diverse and as inclusive in our community as the communities we serve around the world end quote and uh, that's really cool to see because uh, it hasn't been the greatest day in the uh, in formula one bernie ecclestone had to go out and say some extremely horrible things and well we're not going to say repeat what he said because um Go look it up for yourself. But uh, anyways, he has uh, been out of Formula One since he, he left in um, January 2017. He's been what they call the uh, the chairman emeritus uh, for the past couple of years that apparently uh, came to the uh, the end uh, of that agreement in January of this year. But anyways, after the, uh, the, the, the horrible things he had to say, Formula One has um, distanced himself uh, from, uh, from Ecclestone saying that uh, the, the comments that he made on racism uh, have uh, no place in either the sport or society. So here, here, good for them. Anyways, uh, let's talk uh, a little bit more about some other uh, cool things. So Formula One has uh, announced that they're going to sell off squares on the chair, uh, checkered flag at the races throughout the the, the rest of the 2020 season to help uh, raise funds uh, for charity. This is uh, part of the We Races One initiative. And so the uh, they're, they're hoping to raise over 11,000 pounds per race with uh, 56 of the 80 squares on the checkered uh, flag going up for sale. And then the remaining 24 uh, squares will be made available to uh, the race promoter to pass on to uh, fans and guests. So each uh, fan will have uh, their name print, uh, printed on the square that they buy, and uh, but they're not able to choose which uh, square their name is placed in. Anyways, that's uh, kind of you know, neither here nor there. Anyways, but uh, fans can uh, buy squares on the uh, the opening uh, Grand Prix of the year next weekend in in Austria for only one hundred ninety nine pounds and ninety nine pence. So that's uh, not a kind of a not really a bad deal, especially for charity. You can do that um, via the uh, official Formula One uh, website. Anyways, uh, moving along, uh, I hinted to it just off the um, the, the the top of the show here, and uh, that was the news that uh, Imola is uh, still trying to get into the um, into the running uh, to host a Grand Prix this year. And so they're they're trying to uh, push Formula One to having uh, you know basically what's going to come down to an Italian uh, triple header, which would be. Uh, you know, <laughs> would be kind of cool because uh, it looks more and more like Mugello might uh, get uh, get a, you know a, a race this year after Monza in September, and so um, Uberto Silvatico uh, says that uh, the, he really hopes that uh, that they can get a race at Imola as well. Anyway, so he had to say, quote, Imola has F1 in its DNA, and on this track, the history of F1 has taken place. It must not be forgotten, and we must be rightly proud of it. Looking ahead with an eye to the local economy in this serious moment of crisis, our goal is to bring back the top series to Imola's circuit from this year. The most logical and most suitable solution for F1 fans from all over the world would be to use the circuits with a great media impact, and Imola certainly is. And perhaps together with Monza Mugello for legendary national 
triple. We started in since April of this year working with great dedication and passion on this hypothesis together with the local and regional institutions and the FW, sorry, the FOWC, that's Formula One World Championship. And we hope that as uh, the National Sports Authority, we will also support our candidature for this season, end quote. So I think it's kind of cool. I mean, Alfatoria, uh, they were there uh, running two cars at Imola, the uh, the AT01 plus a 2018 uh, spec uh, STR13. Uh, Danny, Danny Kvyat said after the test uh, that he, he thought that uh, Imola would be an ideal venue for a Formula One um, uh, race. And he's the torpedo. I had to say, quote, Imola is a special track, and I'm very happy to get back in an F1 car after this long pause on this circuit. I've known it for some time because I did one of my first tests here with a single-seater in 2010. The track really is fantastic to drive with some nice fast corners. I'm of the opinion that it should absolutely be on the F1 calendar, end quote. So who knows? I think that would be really, really cool. Uh, I mean, we, we'd all really sat back last year, and I think we were all collectively salivating and drooling with the prospect that we were going to have this really epic 22-race season in uh, in Formula 1. It was going to be the, the the longest season in history. And, uh, well, I mean, I, I was looking forward to it. I, I'm sure you guys all were as well. And, of course, what with coronavirus and everything else that has gone on, uh, that, uh, well, we've lost the, the, the first 10 races of the of the of the season so far and well i i mean it's uh it really has been a case of um you know coming up with uh, different plans with contingencies and like i said off the top of the show i really don't mind that we're going to have uh, back-to-back races at the red bull ring and at silverstone i know that they're going to have different uh different names i mean it's not going to be like back-to-back austrian and british grand prix but whatever uh, the, the the fact is that we are in a position to go racing but at the same time and we we lost a number of of, um, you know, favorite tracks. We lost Monaco. We lost Canada. We lost Spain. We lost, well, I mean, the first 10 races of the year. So, uh, including a uh, return to uh, Zandvoort at the Dutch Grand Prix. And who knows what the, the rest of the season is going to uh, to look like. I mean, uh, where, where you look where coronavirus is, um, you know, scarily kind of spiraling out of control in some parts of the world. I mean, it's... Uh, you know, who's to say whether races like in countries like Brazil or the uh, the U.S. Grand Prix at uh, in Austin, Texas, is going to go off, or the Mexican Grand Prix, or perhaps uh, somewhere in Asia, if there's a, a second wave in the fall. The fact is that uh, th- this is very much going to be a fluid situation, and uh, even though we have uh, eight races booked uh, tentatively right now, and uh, F1 and Chase Carey still saying that they want between 15 to 18 uh, races before the end of the year, it might happen. I still think that uh, that 18 seems a little bit uh, optimistic, but you know, if they do have um, other options like uh, tracks like Emelon Mugello, then perhaps that might be uh, options that they're going to have to look at and consider uh, with uh, some... Uh, uh, some degree of um, intensity, perhaps, is the best word. As uh, the you know, the situation you know continues to evolve in other parts of the world, and who knows? I mean, the the uh, the, the speculation and some of the talk around uh, maybe going back to Hockenheim this year, even though they were off the, the the calendar for an official race in the you know the the official calendar for 2020 when it uh, you know before everything happened, that seems to have died down. But uh, but who knows? Anyways, time to take a quick break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a. Moment moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, 
LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, well, welcome back to the show. And sticking with the theme we were talking about before the break, Ferrari ace Sebastian Vettel believes that Mugello deserves to host a Formula One race this year after having his first test at the circuit earlier this week. So uh, he was there on Tuesday driving a 2018 spec SF71H, and uh, he completed the morning session in the car before he handed it over to uh, Charles Leclerc in the afternoon as uh, Ferrari uh, get to grips and uh, get uh, used to the new uh, procedures that Formula One is implemented uh, for uh, because of uh, COVID-19. Anyways, it's the first time that uh, Sebastian has been in a, in a Formula One car since uh, preseason testing, which was almost uh, four months ago. And anyways, it's, a four, it's the first time that uh, Seb has been at Mugello in, uh, since 2012, and that was an in-season test. And uh, he, was very, he spoke very positively about it and said that uh, he would welcome the opportunity to go back and race there in a Grand Prix this uh, year. Anyways, Seb had to say, quote, I was glad to get back in the cock- cockpit after a break that was even longer than usual winter one. I was also very pleased to see all the guys from the team at last. It was great to once again get all those feelings from the from a car and to do so at such a spectacular track. I really think the Mugello deserves to host a Formula One Grand Prix. I haven't driven it for eight years, so it took a few laps for me to get used to the track, and then I really enjoyed myself, end quote. So yeah, again, I think that it will be interesting to see how the the rest of the season comes to shape up over the next couple of weeks and months as things start to sort it out. Because like I was saying before the break, uh, we, we know everything uh, that that is planned now up until the uh, the, the beginning of September. The, uh, the the last confirmed race is at Monza on the sixth of September, so uh, I mean that's uh, quite a ways off. And then uh, after that, there's uh, you know you have the Russian Grand Prix, which is um, scheduled in for the twenty fourth to the twenty seventh of uh, September, and then after that uh, you have the, the U.S. Grand Prix at Austin, Texas, uh, and that is uh, scheduled for October twenty second to twenty. 25th. So who knows what's going to happen. And, and I think that um, I do recall, um, I don't have the notes here, but I, I think there was some uh, talk uh, not so long ago that uh, the, the the race organizers uh, for the, uh, the the Russian Grand Prix, the Sochi Autodrome, uh, also uh, put up the, the, the possibility that they would be open to maybe hosting uh, back-to-back uh, races there. So anyways, you know, like, like I say, I mean, uh, the, the, the point is that we do know what's uh, going to happen up until the beginning of September. Uh, I, I would expect uh, maybe at some point uh, that the Russian Grand Prix is going to go ahead. Uh, but uh, I 
again. I mean, everything seems to be packed in pretty tight over the next um, uh, two months or so uh, once we get racing again uh, next weekend in Austria. And then, uh, of course, what with some races being uh, um, rescheduled and uh, switched about, it does leave some uh, some big gaps in in the schedule because you have a couple of weeks between um, Italy and then Russia, and then you have uh, basically a month between uh, Russia and uh, and the USA, and then uh, you have the rest of the, uh, the 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 races still penciled in in the original uh, times uh, time periods. You have the Mexican Grand Prix uh, last weekend of uh, October. The the, the race uh, race day is actually uh, the first of November. Then you have the Brazilian Grand Prix scheduled for the uh, the twelfth to the fifteenth of November, and then the uh, the season finale at uh, Abu Dhabi is uh, still scheduled in uh, from the twenty sixth to the twenty ninth of uh, November. So, anyways, take that with a pinch of salt. We don't know what's going to happen uh, between uh, you know between now and uh, the end of the uh, the European season. Uh, at the beginning of a September, so anything after that, who knows? That uh, that, that could uh, and it probably will uh, change. Anyways, um, Danny Ricardo says uh, a ten race Formula One season would be legit, and uh, before uh, they, all they needed, to, um, it, it was written into the into the rules was an eight race season that covers a, a minimum of eight continents. But uh, Formula One has um, altered that because of the extraordinary circumstances that uh, that. Uh, that we find ourselves uh, find ourselves in, of course. Anyways, uh, you know we have eight races at the moment. Uh, but anyways, uh, Danny Rick had to uh, uh, weigh in. He said, "Quote right now, I'd say it is legit. If we only did four or five races, so yeah, maybe not so." But if we get anything uh, from kind of 10 and above, there's enough uh, races there to figure out who the champion is in my mind. Obviously, the atmosphere is going to be different around the paddock without fans, at least for the first part of the season. But the reality is we're all racing the same drivers, the same cars. For me, the competition isn't going to change, end quote. Yeah, you know, I mean, 10 would seem like a a really good uh, amount of races uh, to get in. But uh, who knows? Uh, Of course, we've seen over the past uh, couple of months that uh, COVID time is uh, bizarre time and it kind of goes on in its own specific uh you know cadence and uh sometimes a uh, one week in covid time seems like a month or weeks and or several weeks or months <laughs> in normal time and uh you know if we can pull off those eight races and if we can throw ml and mugello in there as well if we can say get to uh, bahrain and uh, abu dhabi at some point and maybe some other races i mean that would be just absolutely it would be a best case scenario, right? Uh, I'm not really holding my be- uh, breath uh, above eight uh, to ten. I mean, it, it really sounds like these, uh, you know, the, these three races in Italy is starting to, to to pick up a bit of steam. It uh, it really has that feel that something that might might come together with that. So if we can get up to ten. I, you know, anything honestly over over eight uh, feels legit. But if it was, uh, say, we we're going to have two races in Austria, then uh, go to Hungary, then have uh, two races in, uh, you know, at Silverstone, then, you know, that would, yeah, honestly, that that would feel like a bit of a, a hokey world championship, right? I mean, you have uh, the, the 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 two races back to back weekends in Austria, then uh, the the weekend after that, uh, it's over to the Hungaro Ring, and then uh, you have a week in between, and then you have back to back weekends at uh, Silverstone, and then you're off to, um, uh, to to Spain in the middle of August. Then you have the Belgian Grand Prix t- traditional time slot at the end of August, and then Italy right in and around uh, late. 
Labor Day. So usually, and it's a typical time slot in uh, the you know the, the last uh, several years. But yeah, you know, e- even if uh, we we couldn't get in any more than eight, maybe throw the other two in there. That seems uh, pretty legit to me. And uh, Danny Rick, uh, you know, I think he's uh, really nailed it. Uh, he said, you know, regardless if there's uh, people going to be there in the stands or not. I mean, the thing is, I mean, you're still going to have the same uh, ten teams there, the same twenty guys in the cars. They're still going to be out there uh, doing their thing. And I think uh, basically that's uh, what it's going to come down to. I mean, it's going to be strange because we're going to be going to some of these um, different uh, racetracks. And obviously, you know, with the lack of fans there, it's going to mean for some races, much, much less atmosphere and other tracks pretty much the same. <laughs> okay, I'm being a little bit mean for some of these uh, tracks. Some of them just uh, don't uh, don't, don't have uh, big uh, crowd capacities or a lot of interest uh, to begin with. Uh, the other one I always find uh, a little bit interesting uh, for me is uh, is uh, Baku because there really isn't a lot of uh, places uh, to, to put uh, grandstands around there and Monaco for that matter as well. I mean, I know there's all these spectacular yachts and people watching from, uh, you know, out of their flats and, uh, you know, different places around. Uh, but I mean, when it comes to uh, grandstands in some of these uh, tracks. Uh, there there really isn't uh, too much in, in some of them. Anyways, uh, moving along, Max Verstappen has had to wait uh, because uh, he was not able to get into the car and test at Silverstone uh, this, um, you know, this, uh, you know, the, this past week. Anyways, they decided to use up one of their filming days, one of these promo days with the 2020 car earlier this week, uh, just to get um, the, the staff and the drivers and everybody in the team kind of up to speed again and kind of get everybody going. You know, they, you know, it's, it's not quite the same because, you know, they're only limited to a hundred kilometers and, uh, they don't use the same spec, uh, you know, uh, compound tires that they do for racing. Anyways, it would have been, uh, just a, a good thing, kind of get everybody out of the, you know, the, the enforced layoff that everybody's had to endure over the past uh, several months. Anyways, uh, Max wasn't able to do so because, um, you know, he, you know, he would have come in uh, too late and he was subject to that 14 day quarantine that they have in uh, the United Kingdom. And, uh, so it just uh, it was too hard to arrange for Max to fly in from his uh, home in uh, in Monaco just for a uh, uh, one thing. So, like I was saying, I mean, for for a 100 kilometer test uh, plus, uh, you know, it was just it would have been probably good, but it really wasn't a, a racing thing. Anyways, uh, time for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So just uh, sticking with Red Bull. So another thing that uh, that came up was that uh, that uh, with the filming uh, day that uh, Red Bull had uh, earlier this week, that uh, it gave people a chance to see some of the uh, the upgrades that they've implemented and put into the car over the, uh, you know, since the beginning of the, uh, the, the season. And I think that's really interesting, um, you know, that... <laughs> We do see after several races, typically by the time we get to Spain and, and the beginning of the European uh, portion of the, uh, the the Formula One World Championship is when the first round of uh, updates uh, usually get uh, introduced. And I think it is interesting considering that uh, that a lot of the teams, well, all the teams had enforced shutdowns, all the staff was furloughed, and there was really a minimal amount of uh, team personnel and staff working uh, from home during the, the lockdown periods a couple of months ago that that even with the limited running that, uh, that they've had. I mean, most of the teams that have uh, been able uh, to, to get out and test have chosen to do so with older spec cars because uh, 
they, they can run for longer distances. Uh, so, I mean, obviously it doesn't get them a chance to, to, to really evaluate to the data that they add. So I think everything will be based off of modeling and based off of the, the information that they garnered from, from testing in, uh, in Barcelona, which seems honestly, guys, it feels like a, a lifetime ago, but anyways, uh, Silverstone or sorry, uh, Red Bull, um, did use the, the limited amount of, uh, time and distance at Silverstone earlier this week, just to, to more or less, uh, evaluate, uh, the new COVID uh, protocols, but, uh, it also, uh, gave uh, a chance to run out uh, some of the uh, the new parts, which included an update to the floor. Um, so it was interesting to, to, to see that uh, as well as some of these uh, pictures. And if you go to motorsport.com, it's kind of cool. They've got this uh, sort of a slider that kind of gives you, um, you know, the, the, the chance to, to look at the car kind of a before and after pics. So anyway, it's uh, kind of cool to see some of these things coming out and also, uh, you know, some of the things that they've been playing around with the, the, the front wing. And I think that's a part of the thing that's uh, really going to be uh, interesting to watch. Like I was saying off the top of the show, there, there's a lot of different storylines going on that we're going to be looking at um, over, yeah, as we as we get racing here. But um, it it really is going to be a, a weird situation uh, for for everyone. And I mean, I think uh, of course uh, we're, we're going to be looking for the dark horses, maybe the, the the team that comes out and surprises everybody. And also, I mean, uh, another one we're going to look at is um, has this um, you know, the, this enforced layoff uh, hurt. Uh, Mercedes. I mean, obviously they've been dominant in Formula One over the the, the past uh, you know several years since 2014, since we came into the, uh, the 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 V6 Turbo Hybrid era. They've been absolutely unstoppable, and uh, it would just be interesting to see uh, whether or not uh, this has really impacted them. I mean, we've seen over the years that uh, there have been occasionally uh, you know periods and that where they've uh, struggled. And and we usually isn't really more than uh, for for a race or two, and then they 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 really hunker down and they, and they they you know throw out all the you know sports metaphors that you want. They you know, got their back to the wall and they got to pull their chin up and all that. But the point is, I mean, they really get down to work and they're really able to uh, to, to pull out of the uh, you know some of these um, these dips and some of these uh, bad patches that that they've had. So I mean, that is one story to watch: is can they continue to dominate and and well, again, even in this era of COVID, that uh, that is so bizarre. That uh, that's Mercedes. I mean, for me, it's always the same story: that year in, year out, until proven otherwise. I'm really reluctant and hesitant to, to bet against them that uh, they're not going to continue to go out and get it done. But it, it really is a weird year. And uh, I, I think uh, because of that, just uh, because of the enforced layoffs, uh, due to the fact, um, you know, that uh, you know these teams were forced to shut down that has been a long time that they've really had these cars out there in race trim and really running them under the conditions that uh, that that they want to and the fact that these cars are still basically brand new and we're already halfway through 2020 thank god um that it really is a really unprecedented situation Anyways, uh, moving along. So McLaren, yeah, well, interesting. Uh, they, they were uh, announced uh, not so long ago that they were very much uh, like Williams, uh, looking for uh, investors in a way to uh, uh, you know fi- refinance themselves. So anyways, uh, they look like they're uh, able to uh, arrange a loan from the National Bank of uh, Bahrain uh, to get uh, an urgent uh, inflow of cash into the company. So anyways, uh, this is sort of uh, ongoing, but uh, uh, McLaren was uh, looking at all sorts of different things like selling their historic F1 team or sorry F1 cars selling parts uh, of, of the you know stakes in the team all these different things 
anyways, uh, this National Bank of uh, Bahrain, uh, Bahrain loan uh, could, uh, you know, it could happen in the short term, and then um, who knows? Anyways, uh, the, the 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 point is, if they can get the the the, the financing that they need, that would be, uh, you know, well, they they really need it, and it would be such a shame uh, that uh, you know they, they should struggle now because last year they they finally made some concrete uh, steps forward and it looked like it was finally going in the right direction after quite a well far too many years of uh, mediocrity and struggles and a lot of embarrassing things going along and I mean they had a very very good year last year and I really was you know I still am uh, you know quite uh, full of praise uh, for them because I know uh, Formula One is a uh, you know it it is a shark tank and only the the fittest uh, survive. But still, when you see a team like that, and and same with the uh, Williams to that that same uh, you know same degree, when you see teams that have been there at the top of Formula One that have won races, that have won world championships, that have won in both the drivers and the constructors of that world championship. And then to see them slide all the way down into the the abyss. I mean, Williams is a completely different level of. Uh, Patheticness, or or has been over the past couple of years, compared to William, or sorry, to uh, McLaren. But when you see these teams, uh, you know, slide down as far as that they have, it really is a sad thing. So, who knows? I mean, uh, w- Williams really fell off the uh, you know the the edge of the cliff uh, a lot more drastically than uh, McLaren, and uh, this year. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how much they can turn around, uh, if at all. I mean, they, they've obviously had their struggles, uh, you know, quite severely over the past uh, couple of years. But uh, McLaren, that that would just be a real shame after such a good year that uh, they should be hampered now by, by you know by financing issues and cash and stuff like that. And uh, we will wait and see what happens. But uh, I mean, this year. It would have been interesting to see how if they'd be able to keep that momentum going because they did say that they were more more going to be focusing on the regs for the you know for 2021, but then uh, you know a couple of things have happened. Obviously, COVID came along, and you know they've uh, been having the issues uh, with, with the cash flow, and then uh, you know this this whole loan thing. But I mean, they even you know when, when they were saying that they were looking towards uh, you know like this was always going to be an in-between year, but now we're going to be dragging this one out a year longer, delaying the introduction of next year's uh, regulations into 2022. So who knows, uh, even if uh, in a perfect world, say COVID never happened and the, and the world didn't shut down for all these, uh, you know, these months and we went on as uh, as usual, it would have been interesting to see whether or not uh, in that scenario, if uh, McLaren would have been able to keep uh, progressing forward. Because I mean, uh, Zach Brown and Andreas Seidel and all these guys at McLaren, they, they were quite forthcoming about it that uh, at some point they were going to, to focus more on the new era that was just uh, around the corner and that may impact uh, some of the things uh, that, that might happen uh, for them this year, which uh, it was more of, uh, you know, invest more in the, in the future with the, the, you know, the short-term sacrifice in, in, in 2020 that that things might not as go as good as uh, perhaps uh, that uh, we'd, uh, you know, seen from them uh, last year. Anyways, that's uh, one to, uh, to, to keep an eye on. Anyways, uh, Renault, sorry, McLaren, I'm getting uh, engines and manufacturers that mixed up here. Anyways, uh, a McLaren is going to need a, to burn a development token uh, switching engines rather than improving their chassis for 2021. And that uh, means that uh, Danny Ricardo can uh, get involved in the car development uh, this year. So Ricardo obviously is already signed on to McLaren for, for next year, replacing Carlos Sainz, who's heading over to Ferrari to um, replace Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. Think back a year. Do you, do, do we uh, any of us uh, think that this uh, something like this might might happen? Twenty twenty, man, I tell you. 
Anyways, uh, so they're, they're, one of the key factors is that the, with the new token system that they've put in to limit what teams can do uh, for 2021, uh, McLaren's uh, new boss, McLaren, won't be able to benefit from any uh, Renault knowledge because uh, you know they're going to be switching back to Mercedes engines uh, for, for next year. Anyways, uh, Abita Wool, the uh, team principal of Renault, said uh, in, a, in a conference card this uh, this uh, conference call this week, uh, and he was talking about uh, Danny Ricardo. Said, "quote There won't be any preferential treatment uh, between Esteban Ocon and Daniel on the back of uh, his decision because it's not the policy of the team. It is not also a necessity. Let's be honest, as I'm not fighting for any championship as we stand here right now. It would make absolutely no sense, and Daniel will be involved in the development process of the of the car." With the way that the structure is that the cars are more or less frozen between this year and next year, and also McLaren will have to use all their tokens on pure chassis engine integration, so not performance development there, and that will give us the opportunity to work extremely normally with Daniel. The only thing he won't be exposed to uh, to 2022, but frankly he would not be anyways, because it is still a bit far away from a driver perspective, even though a substantial part of our workforce is ready on to 2022, end quote. So there you go. Uh, interesting that... Uh, um, and I, I still don't uh, completely understand uh, the, the whole token system that uh, they have in place, but uh, it, uh, you know, I, I think that, that that is one thing. I mean, uh, McLaren now is going to have to figure out how to get those uh, Mercedes engines into the, the, the back of the car. And, uh, you know, considering the relationship that they had uh, with Mercedes uh, o- over the years, I'm interested to see if they're going to have a, a more harmonious um, uh, working relationship uh, between the two of them that uh, perhaps uh, we, we've seen seen uh, over the past year or so with Honda and and, and Red Bull because uh, before when they had uh, Renault uh, it was very much okay well here's a Renault engine here's a Red Bull chassis let's put them together but uh, I mean there's more integration uh, between the Honda power unit and, and the Red Bull there's more synergy and, and teamwork between the two so I, I'm not saying that the, that they're not uh, team players but uh, you know there, there, there's a lot more thought and a lot more cooperation between uh, Honda and Red Bull uh, you know in this year so I'm kind of wondering that that's something going to be keeping an eye out too uh, with with um, Mercedes and um, uh, McLaren. But uh, kind of interesting insight there from Surreal Abitable. Anyways, one final time for one final break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So McLaren says that they are willing to keep an open book approach with Carlos Sainz through 2020. And again, very much like uh, Danny Ricardo, this is a bit of an in-between year for Carlos Sainz. And these guys are pros. I mean, I I don't think, uh, I mean, obviously they're they're, going to be on on a personal level looking forward to the the, the new opportunities and challenges uh, that lie ahead of them for for next year at uh, at McLaren and Ferrari respectively. But still, I mean, uh, to to think that uh, maybe that they might uh, kind of shrug it off, and uh, I'm not suggesting that it uh, by any means seems like a, a bit of a stretch. Anyways, uh, McLaren says that they have no concerns about uh, being open with information with Carlos Sainz, uh, despite he's moving over to Ferrari next year. And uh, well, I'm I mean, why not? I mean, uh, they, they got to develop the car this year, and uh, they they got to get the best of this car here so they can uh, do um, you know do what they need to do. But anyways, I mean, the, this year's cars are going to be carried over to next year's as part of this cost-saving, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh 
program that they put in because of a COVID. So, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, there, there's not going to be a huge uh, leap forward in the technology and the design. I mean, not like if it was going to be the 2022 cars coming in. And because of that, uh, McLaren CEO, Zach Brown said that there's you know not so much of a, a necessity to be really super secretive with, with Carlos Science. Anyway, Zach had to say, quote, we're racing together in 20. We have a lot of success together in 20. And uh, he's a professional. We're professionals. I think if you start holding back information, you're not going to have a successful 2020 together. So I think we've got to focus on 2020, maximizing it. And I think holding back is not productive. Our 21 car is going to look like a 20. Maybe if 21 had been a brand new car, you then find yourself in an uncomfortable situation of sharing information on next year's car. But next year's car is effectively going to be this year's car. So I'm not concerned about the inter- and integrity of Carlos will be an open book, end quote. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's going to be basically the same car. So who knows? It's not going to be a a real big loss. And, you know, if they can, uh, it's, it's, 2020. It's going to be weird. Anyways, going back to Renault, they are planning to uh, uh, introduce a triple upgrade package for the Austrian Grand Prix next week. Uh, So I've been, uh, again, they've been uh, very, very uh, busy. Um, uh, Cyril Bitabul said, quote, the upgrades are coming. It's been a huge effort from our internal production to to get the packages uh, from races three, five, and six. The initial numbering, obviously, from Vietnam, the Netherlands, and Barcelona that will be on our car in Austria. Those races have obviously not happened, but the performance that was supposed to come will be in Spielberg. I want to downplay any expectations because we know that our car was really, really bad last year. We just hope that it will be slightly better. We're still not totally sure about the competitiveness of our car from the winter test. I don't want to say too much at this point. There clearly is a huge satisfaction from the effort that has been put into getting all these parts available in quantity also, but because we all know that Spielberg can be harsh for the cars, even if some of the carbs are being removed. We've all had uh, a plan in quantities. Also, some parts which I hope I will bring some decent performance to the car, end quote. So there you go. Interesting that uh, these are just basically all planned upgrades that were coming along uh, anyways. But I also like uh, how he's being very, uh, very open, uh, don't you think? Uh, That uh, he basically saying, yeah, our car last year, not very good. And uh, we're not really sure how good the car that we've got uh, this year is going to be. What? Well, anyway, Surreal, we will find out in about a week from now how good your car is and whether or not uh, you have uh, upgraded uh, at all from last year or improved from last year. Obviously, they've uh, upgraded. Anyways, so tents and awnings are going to be the new motorhomes as they replace, obviously, motorhomes in the paddock of the Austrian Grand Prix for next uh, next week. So it's all all a part of uh, limiting the number of sta- uh, staff that need to be at the race uh, next week uh, because of uh, all the... Uh, uh, you know, the COVID uh, things going on, uh, you know, social dins- uh, distancing and all that. So uh, teams will build tents and awnings at the back of the pits, uh, which they can use uh, as a spillover area from the garage uh, to help with any social distancing uh, requirements. And um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to, to watch. I mean, uh, they, they've had to change their uh, uh, procedures to uh, deal with outside suppliers in the paddock, uh, you know, just to make sure that there's, uh, you know, no, no transmission and, uh, you know, uh, make sure that that there's a, a minimal risk of infection and same with all these, uh, everything that uh, goes on. Anyways, uh, there's a lot going on. And again, it just looks weird to see everybody, uh, you know, uh, wearing masks, but, uh, in, in formula one, but 
You know, it's no different than walking out on the streets. Anyways, uh, Red Bull's Alexander Albon says that uh, adapting to the new uh, protocols were pretty seamless. So he seems uh, very, uh, well, it doesn't seem uh, like Alex has had uh, too many issues with it. Uh, He was uh, at the filming day at uh, Silverstone uh, on Thursday of this week. And uh, anyways, uh, Albon uh, said that uh, even after the the, the long break, he felt uh, comfortable in the car after five or six uh, weeks. And he was getting used to the, uh, you know, all the, 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 you know, uh, COVID-19 protocols. Anyways, Alex had to say, quote, it's just uh, being getting used to the car again, the procedures and getting used to the no COVID uh, pro- protocols. It's new for all of us, obviously, and we spent so long out of the car. It's just good to get back into it. It's a media day at the end of it. So we're doing a lot of filming for sponsors and things like that. It's also just about getting that, that interaction with the guys and getting into that mental racing mind before we head to Austria. After five or six laps, I was back into it. I felt pretty comfortable with the car, end quote. Alex Albon, uh, yeah, he's one of those guys that I'm gonna gonna be looking at uh, this year. Obviously, uh, I, I think he did very well in the in, in the half season that uh, that he had in the car. I mean, uh, you know th- this. Uh, this uh, situation uh, that uh, that he found himself in with uh, him going up to uh, Red Bull and Pierre Gasly going backwards uh, to Toro Rosso in a, you know a 2019 version of uh, Danny Kvyat and uh, Max Verstappen gutsy move i mean uh, it um, you know it, it it takes a lot of guts to do uh, make a big change like that uh, in the middle of the season i mean it worked out with uh, max verstappen i mean uh, alex albon's debut wasn't quite as spectacular obviously but i think he acquitted himself uh, very well and i think that uh, he showed uh, a lot of speed and i i think that uh, it's going to be interesting watching him now starting uh, basically from the same place as uh, as max and everybody else and uh, you know it's it's going to be interesting to see how he can uh, pull his weight and, and fight out there. Anyways, moving over to Ferrari, we haven't talked about them and uh, and hardly anything about Mercedes, which is unusual. I mean, uh, we've talked a lot about them, uh, obviously, over the years. Anyways, masks are the biggest uh, challenge for the uh, Formula One staff. Uh, <laughs> that comes from uh, from uh, Ferrari. Anyways, uh, Sporting Director Laurent Miki says, says, adjusting to life with a mask uh, could prove to be the hardest thing uh, for them. And he said, quote, I think in a very basic way, the biggest challenge, especially for the guys in the garage, will be to wear uh, a mask pretty much all of the time. We've all been starting to get used to it. And for all of us now, it's becoming a part of our normal life. Actually, here in Ferrari, it's compulsory. So we wear it at all times in the factory and in the office. It's going to be one thing to wear it in an office environment. It'll be something else to wear it when it's going to be 40 degrees and a very hot at the racetrack. All credit to the medical and first response persons that are used to, to doing it and wearing it on a regular basis every day of their working life, end quote. Yeah, well, you know, everybody's getting used to <laughs> that that sort of stuff. And uh, it'll be kind of interesting uh, to, to see what... Uh, what was, I mean, it's obviously going to be different and uh, less people around and all the social distancing uh, going on. And uh, it's going to look weird with everybody uh, wearing the mask. But whatever, it's part of life. And that, that's just the way it is. Anyways, uh, Williams, uh, the of course, uh, a month or so ago, they split with uh, their title sponsor, Rocket. Uh, they uh, unveiled a new livery ahead of the the, the first uh, race of next year. Actually, the car looks really nice. It's, uh, it's basically white with a two-tone blue, kind of a, a royal blue, medium blue, and, uh, and a navy blue, almost a black on it. It looks, uh, looks uh, pretty sharp. Hopefully, the, the, the 
the car, uh, you know, <laughs> performs as good as the paint job. Uh, anyways, uh, anyway, and, uh, of course, uh, like I say, rocket is gone, but, uh, that's interesting after uh, leaving Williams, they've, uh, you know, they're, they're apparently, uh, closing in on a, a sponsorship uh, agreement uh, with uh, Mercedes, which uh, could be in place, uh, by the time uh, the season starts next, uh, next week. So who knows? <laughs> it's just all these, uh, strange things. Although it's not as strange as that, uh, that whole Haas and rich energy thing, uh, that, uh, that, that happened, uh, last year. Anyways, uh, the aero handicap that is coming into, uh, Formula One is what Ross Braun, the, uh, the uh, managing director of motorsports at Formula One insists, uh, what he calls it's a gentle correction. Anyways, uh, Braun says that the, the system works well as a mild form of handicapping because it doesn't impact races in the way that, uh, that, uh, a ballast or reverse grid, uh, qualifying would. Anyways, uh, Ross had to say, quote, I'm pleased with it because I think it's a gentle correction. It still maintains the meritocracy. You've still got to go out the track and win the race. We're not doing anything to handicap the driver when he's out on the track. It's not a success ballast. It's rather like the NFL with the draft where the least successful teams get the greatest opportunity initially, but they still have to deliver. It's not like they have points given to them. I think it's an opportunity and an encouragement for the smaller teams if you consider the very real situation of somebody investing in Williams. Williams can now quite legitimately say we have this opportunity in the future to get off the back of the grid. That's a nice incentive. I think it'll have a gentle effect on correcting the competitiveness of the field without it distorting it, end quote. Yeah, I mean, um, interesting. Uh, interesting uh, comment from uh, Ross Braun, but I mean, the, the proof will be, will it actually work? I mean, we've seen plenty of good uh, ideas introduced into Formula One uh, over the years, and uh, obviously some of them have been more successful than uh, than, than others. Anyways, uh, one final thing to talk here uh, about uh, before we shut it down uh, for the week, and uh, that is the news that Sauber has uh, launched a new Young Driver Academy. Uh, so I think that's uh, pretty cool. Uh, that uh, in, includes a, a formula, German Formula 4 champion, uh, Theo Poucher. Uh, hopefully I said that uh, somewhat uh, correctly. And Carter Emerson Fittipaldi Jr., so Sauber, they uh, obviously they uh, operate Alfa Romeo's Formula One operation. I mean, Alfa uh, Alfa Romeo was uh, was it Sauber Alfa Romeo a couple of years ago, and then it was uh, Sauber uh, before that. Anyways, uh, they've been um, you know involved uh, in helping drivers uh, developing young drivers, including Michael Schumacher, Kimi Raikkonen, Robert Kubica, and Sergio Perez, some very familiar and uh, very well known names. And uh, I think it's uh, very cool. So the, the the Sauber Academy will be overseen by Alfa Romeo Racing uh, team principal Frederick Vasseur and uh, the sporting director uh, Bede Zender and uh, will provide inductees with the necessary training to progress on their way to their ultimate target of uh, Formula One. So, I mean, you, you do see... Um, you know, obviously academies, uh, for, for younger players in different sports around the world. But, you know, the, the, these racing academies, obviously a, a lot smaller and a lot more uh, exclusive, but anything I think that, uh, that they can do in Formula One to, to help drivers get into the top uh, tier into Formula One, I think is, uh, you know, a, a cool thing to actually see. And, uh, well, we'll see how successful the, the, some of these programs are. We know, uh, obviously how uh, good uh, Red Bull has been at uh, developing uh, drivers over the years. 
And, uh, well, see if uh, Sauber and Alfa Romeo can start doing the same thing. Anyways, that is it. That is uh, all I've got uh, for this week. It's time to start uh, wrapping it up. Uh, Again, if you want to get in touch with any comments or feedbacks or you want to say uh, hello, just uh, drop me a line at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com or tweet me on Twitter at ScuderiaF1. And that's it. That's a wrap. Next week we go racing. Have a great weekend, guys. Take care. Be safe. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Bye for now. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.